have not finished with this one. We're going to have it again next week. <laughs> Amen. That's great. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. That makes you capture all my inferiority complex. They get there Wednesday night, write a song, and they just saw the notes on Tuesday. Well, thank you. Thank you, team. They already preached the sermon, so I need to kind of say amen and go home. <laughs> Back in the 80s, Steve Jobs, who founded Apple Computer, was confident in his vision that he's going to change the world, that his Apple computer will change the world. While technically he, was, he had that confidence, he knew that in order to make Apple computer a household name, he's going to need a marketing genius to take it and really apply it to the world, and he did indeed. That was a dilemma. He had to find just the right person. And so his search led him uh, to a specific man by the name of John Scully. Now, there was a problem with John Scully. He, at the ripe old age of 38, he was the president of Pepsi-Cola. Actually, he was the youngest president uh, of Pepsi-Cola, probably the youngest president of any company. And so, that did not deter Steve Jobs from going after him and really pursuing him hard. He tried to persuasion. He, he, he tried to tempt him. He made him all sorts of offers. But Scully's answer was, I can't leave this very secure job, an established company, one of the biggest companies in America, and just join a dream and just join some startup company. I can't do this. And finally, nothing worked for Steve Jobs persuading John Scully. Nothing worked. And finally, Jobs asked Scully the question, do you want to spend the rest of your life selling sugar water, or do you want to change the world? That simple but piercing question leverage the greatest weight for John Scully's decision to leave the security of being the head of Pepsi-Cola and joined Apple. He wanted to change the world. Now, in truth, Apple computer may have changed the computer world. It has changed the financial world. Now it's the number one company. But listen to me, only the gospel of Jesus Christ can truly change the world. Here's the thing. Probably there are millions of professing Christians, and many of them probably watching around the world who are being watched through Kingdom Sat and a lot of Facebook platforms. Millions of professing Christians probably would agree with this statement that, yes, the gospel of Jesus Christ changes the world. Probably millions of people who are going to professing churches would agree that the gospel of Jesus Christ can change the world, but they do blessed nothing toward that goal. That is the saddest part. Today I'm starting this eight-part series I'm calling it appropriating the happiness that is in you. And those of you who have not 
heard the previous series of messages of eight sermons on happiness is in you from the Beatitudes of the Lord Jesus Christ, please download it. It's free. Download it and listen to it. Because we saw throughout that series of messages that the Beatitudes, which that's what we call them, that was not called in the Bible, the Beatitudes are basically a superstructure. It is a step-by-step program that Jesus has given us. You can't just skip one step and go to the next one. You have to go step by step by step. They're designed that way by our Lord, our Maker, our Creator, our Redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ. Until you reach the pinnacle, until you reach the top, until you get to the apex, and where the greatest privilege, the greatest joy is to be insulted and persecuted for the sake of Jesus. And right at that point… When you reach the top of that uh, superstructure, our Lord Jesus Christ says, as you, cl- as you climb up and you get to that top, immediately, immediately he goes on to say, now this is how you appropriate all of these blessings, all of the peace, all of the joy, all of the happiness. This is how you appropriate the impact that comes from reaching the top of that letter. And that is why Jesus waits until after the eight steps. Then he says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. He doesn't start with being salt and light. No, that will be like putting the cart before the horse. So he starts with the horse. Then he places the cart. Now, don't miss what I'm going to tell you. Don't miss what I'm going to tell you. Not all who claim to be Christians can be salt or light, or are salt and light. Listen carefully. Not all who are professing Christians are truly salt and light. I want to explain that. (laughs) Not all the professing churches can be really salt and light. And that is why when you understand it this way and understand the the way our Lord is communicating this to us, you realize we are a very small minority. Not the super, mega, big denominations and churches. No. Only those who have climbed those seven steps. You are is referring to those who have climbed those steps, that ladder of beatitude. Only those who have a broken spirit, only those who are pure in heart, only those who thirst for righteousness, only those who have have mercy on others, those who are peacemakers, only those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for Jesus' sake, are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Can I get an amen? Turn with me if you haven't already. Matthew 5, 13. And if you are using the Pew Bible, it's 1501, page 1501. Would you stand with me in honor of the Word of God? You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything 
except to be thrown out and trampled by men. Lord Jesus, I am pleading with you, Holy Spirit of God, please take the, 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 the words of a weak man and penetrate them with the power, only your power, supernatural power of you, Holy Spirit, and apply them to every heart who's in this place and those who are watching. Let it be the word that is hidden in our hearts so that we might not sin against you. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said amen. amen. I know I've heard it, and you've heard it, <laughs> when there's someone who is a faithful, hardworking, good old boy, ah, oh, he's the salt of the earth. You know, you heard that, right? He's the salt of the earth. It's actually a compliment that comes from this. But in ancient time, you have to understand that salt was so highly valued. <laughs> Unlike what we have today and the salt sitting in this uh, silver, shining silver shaker on your table whom your doctor tells you to avoid, salt was extremely valuable. Back then, salt and light were not just commodities people took for granted. Now, salt back then was so valuable that Roman soldiers were given their wages with salt. <laughs> As a matter of fact, they demanded it, and they revolted if they did not get their fair share of salt, of the ration of salt. In fact, the English word salary comes from the word salt. That's where it came from, because they were paid their salaries. It was salt. Uh, and that's why we have saying like, he's not worth his salt. It's not worth his salary that he makes. Hear me right, please. On this day of salt-free salt, I know it's really difficult to comprehend the incredible value that our Lord Jesus Christ is placing on this statement. Uh, in, in, it, I know it's difficult, but please just, just humor me and, and listen carefully because you will understand it by the time I'm through. The Greek word for salt is divine. The Roman used to say, there is nothing more useful in the world than salt and light. See, he's, he's not just plucking something out of the air and uh, salt and light. No, no. He, he knew. He's speaking to that culture that, that valued salt and light more than anything else in the world. And so, please, 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 I want you to place yourself among those people who are listening to Jesus, calling them, you are the salt of the earth. Place yourself there. You are the light of the world. It must have been so overwhelming. It must have been so uh, just, just incomprehensible to realize that their mission in life is of such value, huge value. Now, in this message, of course, I'm going to focus on salt. In the next message, I'll do the light. But if you really understand that in the times of Jesus, and you reflect on what he said, you are bound 
to ask yourself some questions. <laughs> How can that be? We're a bunch of workers and fishermen, <laughs> and we're salt of the whole earth. They were no theologians with PhDs. They were not company CEOs. They were not computer wizards. They were not corporate executives with MBAs. No. And yet these people to whom Jesus is speaking, their greatest asset is their spiritual bankruptcy. Their greatest passion was mourning over their sin. Their greatest accomplishment is to be meek. Their best response is to be merciful and be peacemakers. Their best appetite should be for righteousness. Their greatest weapon is to come clean with God on a regular basis and be pure in heart, as we saw in the series of messages, and then their greatest privilege. Think about this. Their greatest privilege is to be insulted for Jesus' sake. <laughs> that, that, that's what he's saying here. How in the world could this motley crew <laughs> with this set of character traits be the most valuable thing in the world? They're the most valuable. In fact, back then, Salt and gold was traded on equal level. If they had a commodity exchange <laughs> back then, like they have here in, in Chicago, in, in the commodity exchange, salt and gold was an, on equal value. I trade you a, a bushel of salt, you trade me some gold of, of equal value. So a question, how can we be sold to a sophisticated world? How can we be sold to, to the professors of evolution? How can we be sold to people who are filled with pride, pride of their own ideas and philosophies, pride of their own technological advancement? I, I'm going to say something here that just take it as from me. It's not from the Word of God, but it's, and, 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 and we'll, you know, just toss it out if you don't like it. But this is my personal opinion, okay? I know you, even through your mask, you can say amen. amen. This is not the Word of God, right? This is my personal opinion. I think if there is anything that this tiny little virus this novel virus, this coronavirus, this COVID-19 virus uh, should have shown us, it would have shown us the impotence of science. Now, please don't get me wrong. I'm not one of those preachers who are against science. I'm not. I studied science. I am not against science because science is God's invention. And all that they're discovering is what God already placed in, on the earth, what God already has put in, the, in place. And that is why God will keep on reminding us who's boss. Hello. 
I don't know if it's a virus or this or that. He's going to remind us, and he's going to remind every generation, who's boss? Who's boss? Okay, now I got this out of my system. (laughs) Here in Matthew 5, you see that these simple men and women empowered by the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit, it was said of them by historians, Jewish, pagan, Christian historians at the time, that they have turned the world upside down. The reason they were able to appropriate the happiness within that comes from the indwelling Holy Spirit They took every one of those steps and reached the summit, and that is why now they are the salt of the earth. Now, beloved, today we may have lots of knowledge, and we do, but we have very little wisdom, very little wisdom. We may have lots of knowledge, or we have no peace of mind. We may have lots of knowledge and scientific advancement, but we don't have contentment and joy. Today, we may have reached the moon, but we can't stop the senseless violence on our streets. Today, we may be able to communicate with the speed of light, but we cannot halt drug addiction. And that is why this is the time for all of those who claim to be disciples of Jesus Christ. And I, know, I think I know every one of you here. I might not know the tens of thousands out there. This is the time for all who claim to be disciples of Jesus Christ to know how to appropriate the rightful place of being salt of the earth. I'm not speaking about church go. I'm not speaking to church goers. I'm not speaking uh, to pew warmers, and I'm not speaking to Sunday Christians only. I'm not speaking to online Christians only. I am not speaking to those who are professing Christians only. I am speaking to all who have climbed the Mount of Beatitudes. I am speaking to those who are being, have, having climbed the Mount of Beatitude. Now they become the salt of the earth. I'm speaking to you. Question, what is the assumption here in these magnificent words that's beyond comprehension? First of all, you need to know that at that time, salt was used for lots of things. It really was. It has many, many uses. Ah. I already told you how valuable it was. And I'm going to actually recite some of the common use back then, and then I'm going to go back to show you the biblical texts, biblical use, somewhat slightly different. I'm going to come back to this specifically, the biblical use. But back then, salt was used for healing. Salt was used for cleans- as a cleansing agent. It was used... Um, for removal of stains. It was used 
to melt ice. It was used to keep a foot from slipping on ice. It was used to stop bleeding. It was used to get rid of unpleasant odor. It was used to whiten clothes. It was used to make food tasty. It was used as an antiseptic. Above all, it was used to keep food, particularly meat and fish, from rotting. Now the biblical worldview is summarized in 2 Timothy 3.13. Listen carefully, because you have to understand that to comprehend of what the call of God in our life. Here's what Paul said, the Christian worldview. Evil men and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived, but not the salt, not the salt. All you need to do is just open your eyes. Open your eyes at what's going on around us, and you look at the fruit of the years of rottenness in our culture. That rottenness that sunk so deep into so many parts of our government for decades. Now we're reaping the harvest of that rottenness. Now, beloved, for years, for years, the godless have taken over the media. And what did the Christians do? They let them. The godless have taken over campuses. And what did the Christian do? They pull back and let them. They have taken over city councils. And what did the Christians do? They hung back. They've taken over school boards, and what did the Christians do? They withdrew. On and on and on I can go. And we have a rotting culture. Please hear me right. The most desperate need we have today is for men and women, boys and girls, who are actually the disciples of Jesus to go out and be salt and be light. In other words, they are to listen to the words of Jesus and to realize that Jesus has placed you where He has placed you, then gave you that incredible call on your life. They are to take seriously God's call to be salt in life. Listen, 20 or 30 years ago, we would never have tolerated the rottenness that we now accept. Well, you know, what can we do? Why? Because a lot of salt has lost its saltness. I'm going to come back to this because that part is devastating to me personally. I'm going to come back to it. Please, please, please. Hear the voice of Jesus, not Michael Yusuf. Hear the voice of Jesus saying, you are the salt of the earth. But before I get to my message, <laughs> I know you missed me. So I'm going to take my time. <laughs> Don't panic. <laughs> But I do. I have seven things that the Bible teaches about salt and what salt accomplishes. 
I told you the common uses at the time. Now I'm going to give you what the Bible said. Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 2 verse 13. It was a symbol of binding contracts. In fact, to this day, there are certain parts of the Middle East where when they have a contract or they're being reconciled to each other, they go out and they bring a plate of salt and they bring bread, and, and both parties would dip their bread in the salt and they eat it. It's a mark that they are solidifying their contract. They're binding an agreement. In 2 Kings 2, that's the second one, 2 Kings 2.20, salt heals and cleansing as a cleansing agent. In Mark 9.50, salt is a promoter of peace. In Colossians 4.6, it is evidence of grace. In Job 6.6, is a stimulant to, an appetite, to appetites. And in Luke 14.34, it is a stimulant to our testimony. And in here in seven, the seventh, Matthew 5.13, it prevents decay from rotting. Decay and rotting. In fact, these pronouns that the Lord Jesus uses here, these pronouns, I know some of you kids have missed school, so I'm going to help you with some uh, syntax here. <laughs> these pronouns in verses 13 and 14 are in the emphatic mood. You say, what does that mean? It means that you don't have a choice if you are a disciple of Jesus. It is not you can be a salt if you want to, or you can be salt and light if you feel like it, or you can be a salt with a, uh, you, 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 you feel the, the call of God or not. No, 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 no. You are salt whether you like it or not. You are salt whether you know it or not. You are salt, and you are extremely valuable in the sight of God, even if it not being in the sight of the world. You are salt, and so add divine flavor wherever you go, wherever you go. While that is supposed to be the case, we know sometimes Christians can be really hindrance. Sometimes we don't lead people to Christ. We turn them off. <laughs> We turn them off. It was Oliver Wendell Holmes who once said that uh, he might have entered the ministry, but if it wasn't for some clergy that he knew who looked like undertakers. <laughs> In fact, Robert Louis Stevenson once entered a very telling note in his diary. He said, went to church today, I'm not depressed. We who are disciples of Jesus, whether wherever we go, we are to keep culture from rotting, wherever we are. And that is why in 2 Corinthians 5, 15, and 16, Paul said that believers are an aroma from life to life, a fragrance of Christ to God among the, those who are being saved but also an aroma of death to death among those who are perishing. <clears throat> but also we know that salt stings when it gets into a wound, right? Stings. 
See, a surgeon has to hurt you before he can heal you. He has to cut you before he can sew you together again. And we, by our very presence, by our very presence, by our very hunger for righteousness, by all the eight things that we saw, by just our very presence, we are a rebuke and a judgment to a rotting culture. But instead now we have preachers who are soothing the rotting of culture. And they said, well, it's a different day. It's a new day. Things are accepted now. It's a choice. We have ceased to sting or rebuke by our very lives. Not only that, but assault. We to create thirst for God. Create thirst for God. Just as salt creates thirst for water, we are to create thirst. People want to know God because they've seen us and they've seen our lives and they've seen our joy and they've seen our celebration of who He is and who we are in Him. And I'm told that without the proper percentage of salt in the body, it dehydrates and dies. Every one of those categories the use of salt are all fine, every one of them. I'm not undermining a single one of them. To represent purity, great. Uh, To add taste, it's wonderful. To stand for the truth, even if it stings, yes. It creates thirst for God by all means. But I believe Beyond all that, Jesus is saying something far bigger, far more important to His disciples and to His hearers. He is saying, you are a preservative that keep the world from rotting and coming completely under the evil one. And beloved, listen to me. That is why I believe when we are out of here, when we lift it up from here, This earth is going to be hell on earth. Were it not for the Holy Spirit who indwells the believers today and the disciples of Jesus Christ, Satan would have been running far more wild than you can imagine. You see, it can get worse than that. Oh, that's nothing. That's a Sunday school picnic in comparison. Hear me right, please. See, for now, for now, Total control of evil and wickedness has been restrained. It really has. And why it's been restrained? Because of the Holy Spirit that dwells in the believers. I know there are faithful people all over this country who are on their knees are praying for this country. There are people who are doing and serving and giving and, and sacrificing. And they're the ones who are preserving it from going down to total chaos. Because if you think it's bad now... Just wait until the believers have taken out of here. But listen, 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 listen. Until that day comes, you and I are to serve as lump of salt between the fish to keep it from rotting. Can I get an amen? Amen. Give me a muffled one through your masks. God bless you. That is the rotting fish in your neighborhood. That is the rotting fish in your campus. That is the rotting fish in your office. That's the rotting fish in our society. 
They all need to know that Jesus and Jesus alone saves. Don't ever forget that we too once were rotting fish. Some salt came into our life and brought us the life-giving Word. Listen to me. You might be the only salt, you might be the only salt that they will ever experience that bears them to hear the message of eternal salvation through you. You're the only salt that they're going to come across. Here's something I believe very important. Listen, this is one of, again, one of the, my personal opinion. We can talk about family values until we are blue in the face. <laughs> but until hearts are regenerated, converted to Christ, we're going to continue in the downward spiral. We can talk about cleaning television and cleaning the movies, but we are speaking foreign language to these people. Until individual hearts turn to Christ, they will go from bad to worse. Beloved, do not get sidetracked by issues. May I plead with you? Don't get sidetracked by the issues. They love to drag you into this issue and into this issue and to that issue. They love to drag you. I remember back when we were part of the mainline denomination, and every time we get into discussion, they want to drag me into this subject and into that subject, and I keep coming back. The Word of God, the Word of God, the infallible Word of God, the infallible Word of God, and I wouldn't get sidetracked because I knew what they're trying to do. Don't get sidetracked. Don't fall for that. Why? Because all of these issues can, be only, can only be solved when people come to Jesus, when they turn to Christ. I come now. If I can keep from getting emotional, I come to the most solemn and yes, and I speak for me, terrifying part of this verse. You'll understand what I mean when I explain it to you. And that is the loss of saltiness. The loss of saltiness. Listen to me. Perhaps... I fear this more than anything else in life, including life itself. A dear colleague of mine, leading the way colleague, doesn't live in Atlanta, sent me an email last week, and he said, I pray for you and for your safety. I said, please, my safety is the least of my concern. Pray for my faithfulness. I could lose money, prestige, reputation, and even life itself. Oh, but please, God, not my saltness. Why am I saying this? First of all, Jesus is not talking about losing your salvation. He's talking about 
about losing your effectiveness, losing your fruitfulness for Him. Now, I'm told that sodium chloride is a very stable chemical compound. It's out of my pay grade, but I trust the people who told me that. It's a very stable compound. That means that it resists any attack from the outside. The only thing that will weaken its effectiveness is when it's mixed with contaminants. Mixed with contaminants. Think about this. Think about this for a long time. The only thing that will weaken your effectiveness is when it is mixed with other contaminants of the world. The only thing that will weaken its effectiveness is when it is contaminated with impurities. Then and only then becomes useless. You can't use it as a fertilizer because it would kill the plant. And the only thing back then they did was salt the lots of saltness is they tossed it on the street. They didn't have asphalt like we do to pave the road, but they took that salt, that lots of saltness, and they poured it on the road so the footprint of people and animals compounded and make it hard. That's what Jesus said here. It's good for nothing else except to be tossed out. Please hear me right. Every one of us, including your pastor, are in danger of losing our effectiveness for Christ. Every one of us. Every one of us is in danger of losing our influence for God. Now, beloved, you have to understand that our impact for Christ in our society, in our culture, is not dependent on your IQ, is not dependent on your level of your intelligence, it's not dependent on your ability to articulate the message, it's not dependent on your uh, seeking to be liked and accepted. No, 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 no. Our impact is dependent on being distinct from the non-believers. Our impact is dependent on being in the world, but not of the world. Being in the world, but not imitators of the world. I want to tell you this as I conclude. In certain segment of the Jewish community, in fact, the ultra-Orthodox, a very small segment of Judaism, they have this practice when a person becomes an apostate, that is, turn his back on the Jewish faith, and then he repents and wants to come back into the synagogue, they would ask him, 
to lay across the door of the synagogue, right at the door, and invite people to trample upon him as they enter. And his invitation says, trample upon me who once was salt but lost my saltness. Thank God we live in the New Testament. (laughs) Thank God for Jesus. Thank God for His grace. And you can literally come to Him any moment and say, Lord, I want you to restore my saltness, and He will do it because He and His will is for you to be a salt of the earth. And then you can become a world changer truly changing the, the world. Are you ready to change the world, or you want to sell sugar water? I think I'm safe in saying just about everybody in this room would say, I want to be a world changer. Will you pray with me? Ask the Lord to do just that. Lord Jesus, as I bear my soul to you and my soul to my brothers and sisters here in this place, and even those who are watching, it is the longing of my heart and the longing of all my brothers and sisters, even those whom I have lost some saltness, that your Holy Spirit to renew us. For your Holy Spirit, first of all, forgive us. For we repent of our lukewarmness. We repent of neither being hot nor cold. We repent of not taking our call seriously. We repent of not understanding the value you place on us. And Lord Jesus, in your name and in the power of your blood that was shed on Calvary, which we are about to celebrate, we ask you to strengthen us as you forgive us, empower us, and restore us. And we thank you that you have not only heard this prayer, but you already answered it because we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.